Hello there, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. Remember to join us at Quality of Life Grace Teaching Ministries on Facebook if you're there. Thank you. And also remember you're the most important person here because without you, we cannot teach. We learn so we can teach. We teach so we can learn. Humble. We're talking about the word humble. And what does that mean? What does that mean? Excuse me. You know, self, first of all, is the highest source of pride. Okay? Self-reliance. And so, with pride, pride is like weeds. Something the Holy Spirit taught me early on about being humble was, in order to be humble, God had to remove the pride. And pride is like weeds. You know, I was out with the pastor. We were trimming, cutting down weeds in the uh, back of the church, the building, and uh, the chapel there. And as we were cutting down weeds, the Holy Spirit taught me that a lot of times when we're offended, God could be using this to knock down our pride. Kind of like the way we were weed whacking or knocking down these weeds. Okay. And so the Greek word for humble is tapinos. And its meaning is to bring low. Okay. Or I am humbled. Okay. A lot of times when we're offended, this could humble us. When we get offended by somebody or whenever we're in distress, or whenever we have a trial that we don't like, a lot of times God can use this time to bring us to a place of humility. Okay? So with the believer in Christ, humility is true lowliness. It happens by being fully dependent on Christ, dismissing reliance upon self-reliance and emptying carnal ego. Remember what the carnal Christian life is, folks. It's just a self-reliant life. And so God has to move us to a revelation to show us that Christ is our life. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says, For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ. So when Christ, is your, who is your life, appears, you too appear with him in glory. You see, so sometimes God has to use these problems and trials and uh, offenses when we're, whenever we're offended and to bring us to a place where we see that Christ is our life. Remember, this will exalt the Lord as our all in all and prompts the gift of his fullness in us. That's why we look at what James wrote here and he says, believers in Christ in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. And so if you're in a humble circumstance, if you have a circumstance in your life right now that's causing you to be humble or dependent on Christ, that's a high position to God. Okay, It's a high position to be humble because it leads us to be dependent on Christ. So again, humble circumstances will help bring us to this place of dependence on the Lord. Remember David in Psalms 18.6, he says, In my distress, I called upon the Lord, and he heard my cry. 
you see, the, the distress caused him to go to the Lord. And by doing so, he ends up saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. <clears throat> the prophet Isaiah in 40, verse 31, says, but those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly as high as eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not grow weak. You know, eagles, when the storms come in, they're able to go above the storm and wait the storm out. They're able to just wait till the storm passes. They can completely go up above it. You know, we can either deny ourselves or God will. Did you know that? Remember, self-reliance is the highest form of pride. But humility is where we choose to depend on Christ. You know it's a choice. That's why Jesus said in John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man abide in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. You know, to abide in Christ there is to just live in him. It's like we live here in Arizona. And see, it's not like we have to go there. We're already here. And so when we're in Christ, when we're abiding in him, that just means we live in him and he lives in us. Whoever's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So meekness, meekness is an attribute of human nature and behavior. Okay, a humbleness, it, it has been defined several ways. Righteous, humble, teachable, and patient, under suffering, long-suffering, willing to follow gospel teaching, an attribute of a true disciple. Remember, self is the highest source of pride. Error. Your greatest discovery is the discovery of you. You know, when you hear that statement, that's air. You see, your greatest discovery is the discovery of you. Remember, you are the problem. I am the problem. Self is the problem. Self is the problem. It's the highest source of pride. And so there's a lot of false teaching out there promoting self. But it's the highest form of pride because it rejects God and his son, Jesus Christ. Remember the importance of humbling ourselves. And that just means dependence on Christ. Remember, a humble person is dependent on Christ. A prideful person is a self-reliant person who says, I don't need Jesus. Okay, very simple. That's why Jesus says in Matthew 23, 12, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. What this means is if you choose to live a self-reliant life and build your kingdom, you can only go so high and then God will bring you down. He won't let you keep climbing in your own strength. But when you start with Christ as your strength and you're dependent on him, those who humble themselves will be exalted. That means he will take you up. That's why Paul gives the warning in Romans 12, 3. He says, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. In other words, don't do what he did. 
Don't live a self-reliant life. Don't live a self-reliant life. Live a dependent life on Christ. That's the warning he's given. Remember, proud. Proud in the Greek language means arrogant. Appearing above others. Trying to be more than God directs. Okay? Remember, Proverbs tells us to be careful. Don't say, I would never do that. You know, a lot of times we hear rumors about brothers and sisters in Christ sinning and they they commit a horrible sin and we say to ourselves oh I would never do that be careful because pride comes before the fall if you are proud you will be destroyed Proverbs sixteen eighteen. if you are proud you will fall never say I would never do that because when you do you will You know, the burning bush. Jesus was in the burning bush. Jesus claimed to be the I Am. In the Gospels, when he was with the Jewish leaders, he said this. He says, before Abraham was even born, I Am. So he's claiming to be the I Am God there. Jesus was completely dependent. You see, the uh, picture of, of the Gospel is where Jesus also said, when you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. So Jesus was so dependent on the Father. In fact, he gives us an example of how to live dependent upon him now under grace through the way he lived dependent on the Father. And that's living the Christ life. But when you take a look at the bush on Mount Sinai, it did not have any ability, but it had availability. You see, the bush was completely available for the Christ, the God, to live in and through. See, and that's what God, that's what Christ wants is availability. Are you available? Pastor once told me, you know, that's all the Lord really wants. He wants to know if you're available. And if you are, he'll take you into some pretty neat places and some neat ministries. But if you're not, then he'll get somebody else. But remember the burning bush. You know, the bush was no, it had no, uh, again, I want to repeat this, it had no ability. It had availability. Okay, so that's the picture we want to look at. See, the benefits of being humble are found in Psalms 25, verse 9. In Old Covenant verse, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So the word guide there just means that he teaches us. See, when we're dependent on him, he will teach us. Okay? It's the Holy Spirit in you, teaching you everything you need to know. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And uh, so we wanted to talk a little bit about this word humble. You know, in the wilderness experience, we know Israel were the people of God, the chosen people of God. And uh, they they became dependent. They became humble. They weren't humble at first, but they learned all about humbleness in the wilderness, didn't they? You know, the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 3, verse 8, Don't harden your hearts as Israel did 
when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. So how did they harden their hearts? Well, they lived self-reliant lives, you see. And so where God was trying to bring Israel was to a place of dependence and trust. But if you notice the uh, journey that they took, you know, they they could have walked. Moses, God could have led the people and Moses right along the side of the Mediterranean Sea. You know, a nice comfortable route. But instead, he takes them to a hard right, maturity path, which is called the wilderness experience. Israel took the wilderness route. And it took them 40 years through the wilderness to learn how to be dependent. How long does it take us? How long has it taken you to be dependent on Christ, to live the Christian life? Are you still trying to live the Christian life and failing miserably? Well, you know the Christian life is not hard to live. It's absolutely impossible. And only Christ can live it. He died for us so he could give his life to us, so he could transmit his life through us. But I found it really amazing how how God moved his people uh, through the wilderness to learn how to be dependent. And he, he used circumstances. Sometimes they were offended. Sometimes they had trials. Sometimes they were in distress. But he was moving them to a place of dependence on him. The wilderness, when you think about wilderness, it's turning, it was, uh, when you think about this word wilderness, it's Greek word is eremos, or eremia. It means an isolated place, okay? It's an isolated place. And sometimes we're placed in isolated places. And we would rather be in another place. But remember, in these isolated places, it's a great time to learn how to be dependent on Christ. So, how can we enter into God's rest? The concept of entering into God's rest comes from Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. Okay. So, the uh, Israelites, the people of God, people of Israel, they, something kept them from entering into God's rest. They were not able to enter because of their unbelief. The writer of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 19 Hebrews 4.10 tells us, For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. So you see, they're, they're, the reason why they could not enter that rest is because of their disobedience, which was unbelief. Do you know, as believers at conversion, we entered into his rest? And Christ gave us his rest. When he said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest for your souls. 
What Jesus is referring to there is he's speaking in the imperative command. And he's basically saying to the unbelieving world, he says, when the unbelieving world comes to me, I will give them my rest. You see, so you already have Christ's rest for your soul right now. It's when you, if you want to experience that, it's through faith, belief, you see there. We have to believe that he is our rest. Thank you, Jesus, that you're our rest for my soul. Notice he doesn't say for the spirit. He says for the soul. The soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. So he wants our soul to line up with our spirit. And when the spirit, soul, and body all line up, that is for our benefit. And that's where he's moving us to. Therefore, Hebrews 4.11 tells us, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. He who has entered his rest has entered into his rest. Jesus said this. He said this, the Lord said this to David, be still and know that I am God. That means stop trying. And start trusting. I'll never forget the woman I was pushing in a wheelchair. I was working in a rehabilitation center as, a, as an activities coordinator. And I was wheeling residents outside and we were sitting out by the bus stop. And as I was pushing the resident out there, we had one resident that was starting to get a little anxious. She was anxious because she thought we were going to push her off the curb. And we reassured her that everything was going to be okay. We're just going out here to sit and get some sunshine, get, get some outdoor time, and to, to just trust us. It's going to be okay. And I asked her, you know, because she had her Bible on her lap. She was a Christian. And I asked her the question. I said, so what does the Lord mean when he speaks to David? And he says, be still and know that I am God. She paused a minute and she replied, stop trying and start trusting. That just blew me away. It spoke to me. It taught me about being humble. Humble is trusting the Lord. That's why we read in Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. You see? So the word be still, this phrase is actually derived from the Hebrew word rafa, which means to be weak, to let go, to release. Essentially, it means to surrender. See, stress, you know stress is usually caused from self-reliance, which is pride. It's the opposite of humble. But stress can lead to serious health problems. Think about this. It can cause, you know, chronic stress disrupts nearly every system in our body. It can suppress our immune system, upset our digestive and reproductive system, uh, increase the risk of heart attack and stroke, and it actually can speed up the aging process. You know, some sometimes we, you know, we don't think, realize this, but when we stress about getting older, and look in the mirror and say, oh no, I'm getting older, I'm aging. What happens is we speed the process up by stressing out about it. 
You see that? That's why Jesus said, you know, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So as believers in Christ, when you put on your grace glasses, how do you, how do you see this verse? Well, we already came to him, see? So we have his rest in us. When we take his yoke, that happened at conversion. Whoever's joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You see, so we took his yoke. And when he says, learn from me, that means he's going to teach us now as we're one spirit with him, see? He's gentle. He's humble in heart. And so he wants us to experience rest for our soul. But it's through faith, remember. The Greek word for rest means to refresh or cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh oneself or recover strength, sleep, de-stress. See? And so remember, Jesus, in closing, the one thing God doesn't like is pride because it rejects his love and provision for his people. So Jesus said this in John 16, 9, the world's sin, which is pride, is that it refuses to believe in me. You see, so the, the <clears throat> pride and humble are completely opposite from each other. In fact, humbleness, uh, pride is like taking a left turn. Like say if your marriage is tough or say if you're having a difficult time in, in your Christian life right now and, and you're looking at that left turn that says comfort. It's a self-reliant, carnal left turn. And what happens is we, when we look at that, we, we, if we go that way, what happens, and remember, Satan is the god of the external. So he's going to give you a left turn to comfort, and sometimes it'll, it'll look good. But the opposite of pride or self-reliance or comfort for the Christian is maturity, humbleness, dependence on Christ, belief in him, trust in him. You see, and so this has been humble. And I remember humble is just being fully dependent on 